There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. Michael Porter, welcome to The Mentor, mate. Thank you very much for having me. So we're going to talk about your skin control business in a moment. I noticed you went, you're a Sydney boy. That's right. Um, you went to the city school, St Andrews, and then later on to Kings, or was it in reverse? In reverse. Oh gosh, done, done a bit of research. I didn't know you start off at Kings. Dig deep. Yeah, yeah. Start yeah. off at Kings, and then uh, finish off at uh, St Andrews. Yeah. Um, yeah, good proper boys' schools. You went to Bond Uni. Mm-hmm. I will declare he's a friend of one of my sons who was also Bond University, uh, Nicholas. Um, <laughs> Shout out to Nick. Hey, mate. Hey, you on out there? Um, and uh, what did you study? What did you study at uh, Bond? I did a Bachelor of Business and yep. majored in entrepreneurship and marketing. What does that mean? Yeah, so for me, from a young age, I always knew that I wanted to eventually do my own thing or have have my own brand or whatever whatever it may be. And at that point in life, I knew I needed to get the tools to learn how to do it. And uh, yeah, I, I started off doing the Bachelor of Communications, did about a semester or so in that. And I was like, ah, scrap that, wasn't right for me. And thought, you know, long term, I want to be, uh, you know, running my own business. So this is what I need to do to get there. And it also helped teach uh, a specific way of thinking, ways to like look at, you know, new opportunities and identify uh, opportunities, what, you know, what you need to do to create new products. Um, how do you go into negotiations? There's a whole range of things. Can't recall everything I learned at uni. It was quite a while well, we're ago. We're going to do an exam later. I guess the paper out. I guess a problem for entrepreneurs is they don't have a lot of them don't have any formal training in how to run a business. I mm. mean, it's all one, all good, well and good to have the drive to be an entrepreneur. That's important. You got to have drive. Um, you've got to have the idea. Mm. Um, you got to have the maybe the genetics. In that, what I mean by that is. Um, Perhaps not be somebody. You got to be somebody who doesn't really want to work for someone else. Mm. <laughs> you want to do your own thing. Yes, and uh, and you don't like being told what to do. So <laughs> totally, don't be, well, and that's that's a big part of it. You know, not someone who really sits well under an authority of a regime. What do you reckon are some of the skills or some of the techniques you learned how to be? Well, I mean, for me, it was definitely learning to write a business plan, learning out you know what how to identify an opportunity. And then what that opportunity could look like, crafting it uh, to find a way to make sure whether it's you know commercially viable or not. Uh, yeah, learning about how to negotiate, going into a negotiation, uh, knowing that you need to go into it with you know 
your design outcome in mind from the beginning and know what you can uh, let go of or what you what you can push hard on. Uh, initially had an interest in going into advertising after that because I was quite relatively creative growing up. So I wanted to, wanted to try and find a way to commercialize the creativity in a sense because, you know, there's so many creative people out there with so many great ideas. And if you don't have the, you know, commercial backing it can or commercial understanding it can make it quite challenging to work out how to execute them or make sure that they are going to be viable so yeah that that, that's sort of where my focus was initially do you think much much of your ideology and uh your your decision making as to what you wanted to learn more about was driven by your experience with your own family i think that would have definitely had a big influence over it. What do they do? Because I think I've got so, one of the one of the products sitting right in front of me. It's a little bit left of centre for some people. Well, it's left to my centre. Yeah, literally left to your centre. <laughs> uh, so, so about forty years ago, my old man started, and my mum, both in, in partnership in the eighties. So, yeah, back in the eighties. Yep, mid to late eighties. So, the company called Australian Therapeutic Supplies. Before you were born. Before I was born. That's yep. right. I was born nineteen ninety. Yep, and. Uh, we were very much the first people or well, the first company selling a range of sizes of condoms here in Australia. A range of sizes for condoms in Australia, recognising that they're not one size fits all. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And within but that's there, a pretty practical outcome. Uh, exactly, it? exactly. So it's not a one size fits all approach. So uh, within that, created the brand Four Seasons, or they created the brand Four Seasons Condoms. I've got to ask you, where did the name come from? Like Four Sizes or uh, someone went to spring, autumn? I mean, yeah, what? I think it was just the, the idea to be used all year round. So right, suitable yeah. for, for all year round and, and uh, yeah, that's sort of how it was born. It started off very small. My mum was working as a nurse and uh, they were packing boxes out the front of her uh, her, her nursing accommodation over in, in Glebe somewhere. And, uh, yeah, they, they sort of went from there, took it into a few different pharmacies and uh, sold it in at small just, you know, mum and dad pharmacies and eventually got it into petrol and convenience stations, into a few of the bigger chains. Uh, and then now we're in Woolworths, Coles, Chemist Warehouse, Big W, all the sort of major you know, pharmacy, grocery, retailers. What was your dad doing? Your mum was a nurse. What was your dad yeah. doing? Yeah. So he was working uh, in shipping initially and sort of looking for opportunities of what you can import into into the country and try and, you know, find a way to make a little bit of a margin along the way. Sort of like a merchant guy. Yeah. Some sort of a merchant like Oh, he was doing like nail clippers, hair combs, all sorts of bits and pieces and then realised that no one was truly doing a size range of condoms. That was the gap in the market. I'm just fascinated. Very random. I'm fascinated, you know, to be honest, I'm fascinated what may, have you ever asked him, Dad, what, why did you, I mean, was it a problem for you or did you, <laughs> you know, like, was it too well, big or too small? I don't know if I really want to ask him. Is <laughs> I would have been dying well, to ask him that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, <clears throat> he's never we, offered. We've definitely had quite a few funny dinner conversations about, you know, condoms and sex, all that sort of thing. It's, it's become, Pretty normalised in the family, but I don't want to go into personal details with him. Or that, yeah, because your dad, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who wants to think about their mum and dad? No, hundred percent, definitely so, not me. So, so, but, so your mum was a nurse. She would obviously in the the you know the clinical importance of one of these of a condom, and she, because you know in the eighties, of course, there was a, a bigger demand for condoms because of that was a period when everybody started talking about AIDS, etc. So it exactly. became an issue. Mm. And I remember during the eighties because like I'm born in the fifties, but. We no one ever really talked about 
condoms. I mean, everyone at school when I was a kid had one in their wallet mm. because it made it look like you were cool. But <laughs> you had the same one in your wallet for so long that you actually had a circle around your wallet yeah. where the condom sat. Well, you're not meant to keep could, them in your wallet. Well, well, probably, probably, that, that makes sense. <laughs> Damages but it, them. But it didn't matter to me because I never used it anyway because I, yeah. I never had opportunity for a start. I mean, it was just something you did. It was a bit it was a bit like trying to be, prove you the Fonz out of Happy Days or something like that or, or <laughs> someone out of, you know, the movie Grease uh, that, you know, you were cool yeah, because yeah. you had a condom. But uh, it was just all bullshit. You just had it because. <laughs> it was like an accessory. It was an accessory. Well, actually, you wanted your wallet to have that ring there because people go, oh, wow, he's got a condom in his wallet. But yeah. you put your wallet proudly on the table in front of your mates. But but it wasn't a thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. But it became a thing in the 80s. It became a big thing in the 80s. Do you think your mum and dad were responding to the new demand or the rising tide, which is what something I always talk about in business, the rising mm. tide, selling into a rising tide and then maybe taking on the incumbents and making it a, a better product or like a better version of what already existed. Do you think that yeah. was something in their head? Yeah, definitely. And and once the, the size range had been established, uh, they realised that no one was really selling it into the mass market. I think we were the first ones to go into what was back then Franklin's. And so I was trying to have these conversations in the back in the early days with retailers to say, look, this is a this is a real health and safety issue. It's really important that you guys have an offering in this space because if you don't, the alternative is that people go without a condom or they take risks uh, when they're having sex with partners they may not necessarily know and it, it can increase the chances of um, STI infection. So, yeah, it, it, they were definitely sort of paving the path uh, back then, well back in yeah, the day. And that's, but for sure, though, that is uh, sort of a big initiative and it's actually uh, – uh, sort of radical to some, like mm. to some extent. I mean, today we can look at it and say it's no big deal, but like back then, it mm. was a big deal. It was sort of yeah. disruptive. Yes, it, it was. I mean, even still today, you know, we we sometimes get complaints here or there from people walking down an aisle in a you know a shopping center or whatever, and they may happen to see condoms and they think, oh, you know, my my. I shouldn't be looking at this and, you know, my child shouldn't be able to see this and, you know, perhaps it's an opportunity to educate about, you know, safety and health and that sort of thing. So, yeah, it, it's interesting. In some ways uh, it feels as though they they definitely forged a path but, and, and sort of shifted the, um, the zeitgeist a bit. But, it, it, you know, Australia is sometimes <laughs> looking at it, it could be becoming a little bit more conservative. Well, we so are conservative. Australians are, talk around that point. But they but, are conservative though. I mean, yeah. Australians are conservative. But, yeah. I mean, maybe I'm not sure about your generation, but certainly generations before you, my generation, generations before me, de- fully conservative about these sorts of issues. Mm-hmm. And the sort of stuff you just tend to put in the background and, Pretend is not there. Mm. It doesn't exist. Mm. And uh, and I think for your parents to, to have done that back then is pretty cool and uh, in today, by today's standards especially. And, of course, I did happen to uh, do a little bit of research on you and all this business <laughs> and I saw some uh, a pretty cool ad, which I thought, right. was, I thought was cool. Um, <laughs> what have you seen? <laughs> so I saw the, uh, the, the guy with the long blonde hair and the girl, I think they're in a chemist trying oh, out the various yeah. sizes. Yeah, and yeah, um, yeah. and I'd say the Advertising Council of Australia wouldn't have liked that too much. They didn't love that one. No. So what, why don't you what, give us some yeah. explain it? We might so, put it up on our uh, promos or something. But oh, it's it's a good one to watch. Yeah. Uh, basically, the the whole brand is about finding your fit and finding the right fit for you because of the naked size range is super ultra thin latex, and 
what happened was we had a director approach us by the name of Gary Eck and he came to us and said, look, I've got this great concept. Let's go into a pharmacy and just shoot a young couple going in there to try on condoms. Naked? <laughs> naked. Yeah. Well, so, not fully naked, but they, they, I guess they're naked for all intents and purposes. Yeah, that's like the right look, crop, so you didn't yeah. quite see the, yeah, yeah. You know, the genitals or anything. But uh, so, so basically went into the pharmacy, started trying on condoms, different sizes, say, oh, no, this one's too Different big. positions. Yeah, different positions. And it's pretty shocking. Like, you don't really expect it. Um, I think at the time we'd, we'd purchased a cinema package to run that in cinemas, obviously, before the movies. Rating, yep. back in the day. And then the ad got banned. So we sort of thought, oh, hey, this is potentially a good opportunity. So upload it to YouTube, banned ad. Next thing I go, there's like 20 million plus views on there. There's We've got um, a mate of mine who lives over in Germany calling me being like, oh, what are your, your ads on the news over here? Like we see it's all over the place. So so it's, yeah, it basically went viral like back in the old day how videos used to do that. And we found that, you know, yeah, we don't have these you know large marketing budgets, so we need to get a little bit more creative. And the way that we do that is sort of, you know, sit on the line whether it's okay or not okay and, and trying to do things that will shock people but also gain attention, bring attention to the brand. Uh, and that's that's sort of the way that it works for us. We've done a few of those sorts of campaigns. We're very flexible with uh, what what messaging we can put out there. Uh, whenever we work with any creative agencies, they will come to us and we basically let them run wild with the brand. We're not too protective or too precious. Uh, there's obviously a line that we can't cross, but uh, but it allows for some awesome creativity. And we've you know had advertising campaigns going to like Cannes Lions, the big advertising festival over in in France, and win awards there. And it's it's been a really great opportunity because. Yeah, as, as I was saying, as a small Australian company, you don't really get those big budgets to work with to buy media and that sort of thing. So you've you've really got to get smart with with your spend. But that, that that's an interesting topic, and uh, I think what you're talking about here is the formula that can create a successful campaign, and the way you measure a successful campaign is the amount of phone calls you get or the amount of things that move off the shelves. Mm. Um, a formula is two things it's uh, awareness or notoriety and then the second part of it is with affection in other words people like it now liking it could be it makes sense to me or it uh, suits my narrative or it's funny entertaining in your case it's this is about entertainment but not necessarily everybody's cup of tea but it's certainly <laughs> entertainment I thought thought it was entertaining mm. but also it builds notoriety and the way you normally you build notoriety is you just keep jamming the ad you just keep doing one after the other after and then like you know like it's ad nauseum until you get to the point where people are sick of seeing the ad because they need to see it you know maybe five ten twenty times especially these days because we're just getting jammed with so many ads so that costs a lot of dough and if you're constrained in terms of that part of the formula that part of the algorithm then for, for success in terms of notoriety, then you've got to do something that cuts through, and shock value can work. Well, not, and I don't think it was the ad was that shocking as you described. It. I don't think it's that shocking, but it's more not what I expected. Mm. I don't normally see this on TV, yeah. or, or I definitely don't see it on YouTube. So that in itself has some shock value that builds notoriety, that gets people sharing and saying, "Hey, that's memorable. Know, that's memorable, yeah. and it's funny." You know, to most people, particularly yeah. in your age group in your, in your uh, cohort. Mm. Maybe it's not funny to my dad, 
old or people, they're not, that's not your they market. They may not be the target market. That's your market anyway. So, well, who knows? Maybe, yeah, maybe well, they I mean, are. I mean, he might be. He might be a legend, but I'm not sure. Uh, but like, yeah, it's probably not, and it's probably more likely people under whatever, say, forty or something like that. I don't know. But it doesn't really matter what I think. But the point being here is, in terms of gaining for your brand notoriety and affection, um, if your product allows you to be a bit cute, funny, um, edgy, then do it. Mm. And don't worry about whether you breach the rules because, to be frank with you, the council, advertising councils, they'll tell you whether they breach the rules. Mm. I mean, they, they'll jump all over you. Yeah. If you do the wrong <laughs> thing. No, they will. If you yeah, do the wrong thing, you're gone, man. You're like, they'll, they'll. And, in fact, sometimes when if you can bear the cost of the production of the ad, which you know, these things aren't cheap to produce, then it, you just – hoping with your fingers crossed that this ad will go to air for as long as possible before the advertising council bans it. And then when they ban it, it's actually a good thing. Yeah. Because everyone's saying, oh, shit, it was banned. And you exactly. can talk about That's it. That's exactly banned. what we did. And yeah. then it's unfair. Like, oh, well, we're just talk, telling a story. What's wrong with this topic? Uh, it shouldn't be taboo. Mm. You know, like, mm. you know, physical relations uh, should not be taboo. Um, but making sure we do it in a safe in a safe way is should not be taboo. And by the way, how else do you advertise a condom? Hmm. What am you supposed to get a, a dildo and show how it's peeled on? Or I don't know what the fuck. I mean, like, how well do you? How else do you advertise a condo? How can you advertise? Well, there's social media is a great channel for us. I mean, yeah. More recently, we've been looking at uh, what what we can be doing uh, in emerging media. But social media, like TikTok is fantastic. For us the last 12 months, TikTok has been such a great asset and a really good way for us to engage this younger demographic coming through because, you know, once you, you, know, you get them buying into the brand at a young age, they can continue using it through through their life as a known and trusted uh, product. And we found on TikTok especially that the younger demographic is very receptive to engaging with these sorts of uh, content and these sorts of videos. I mean, you, you used the example before just showing to put a condom on a dildo. We've got so many videos that are very low-fi like that. We've got a um, Jane, uh, Jane who looks after our TikTok page. She'll often be recorded little short snippets about, oh, it's all about measuring the the width of the condom, not the length, and showing it, roll it over a banana. And those videos are getting like 4 million views in some instances. It's, it, but it's, 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 ble- it's a blessing. Like this is a blessing because it's so good for those sorts of forums. Yeah. It's so good and everyone's going to share it anyway. They do. And the, the engagement you get on them, it's like, you know, it's like you know hundreds of viral little mini videos and they may only go for five, ten seconds, but it's memorable. It's been shared around and it's just a really good way to to engage this this demographic, which is so hard to otherwise get in front of. Well, because because also that demographic is selecting, like they swipe a lot, but they're, they're, they're getting hit up, but they're selecting what they want to look at or engage with and they're moving they're pretty fast. They don't yeah. hang out for very long. Oh. So you're- Give me a second, half a second. To, totally. It's just how quickly they can move their finger. Yeah. And and by the way, do you direct them to an on, Do you have an online store as well? We do. I mean, the, the brands are primarily focused for retail. So Shops. Say, yeah, retail shops, yep. So Woolworths, Coles, Kirsten, SBW, those sorts of guys. Uh, we do have an, our, our own online store. It's not, they're not huge, but we still have them there. It's more of an opportunity to market the brand and talk to people about 
who we are and what we do uh, versus drive volume. Because for, for us, uh, you know, very much affordable products, you know, a pack of condoms might be $9, $10. So it's a, it's very much a volume game for us. Have you been a big contributor to inflation? Have you been putting your prices up? No, we haven't. We're some of the only ones. Let me just say a lot of the other brands in this space have put their prices up, but we've stayed strong. We're looking after the Aussies. <laughs> Yeah, so we have a range of different sizes. We've got you know, almost 100 SKUs within, with well, products within the company now, but different pack for, formats. For this, for, for the condoms? Yeah. 100 so SKUs? Condoms, lubricants. Oh, that, that, yeah. sorry, that's across the total company. So right. inclusive of the skincare, we've got sun care, we've got um, coconut oil brand, and we just recently acquired another condom brand. Uh, so there's quite a few quite a few SKUs in there, um, but different retailers want different pack formats. So every category manager or the person who looks after the uh, you know what's responsible on the shelf has their own strategy so they may say we want to do 10 packs we want to do 12 packs we want to do 20 packs so uh, they basically tell us you manufacture to their uh, specification yeah exactly i do want to talk about the uh, you know the, the skin control yes skin control is a brand that is the brand. That's yeah. called Skin Control. So this is also a targeted younger demographic but it's more for people who experience acne and breakouts. And as in more adolescence? Well, interestingly, it it was initially targeted at adolescence and when we were designing uh, the the first range within the brand, it was very, you know, you can see it's very, very um, youthful, was cartoons and things on the front of the packs uh, to have that that youth appeal. But then I've got so many friends now saying, oh, I use your pimple patches every day. Oh, I didn't know that was you guys. Uh, so, yeah, I've got people in their 50s selling us that they still use if they get the odd pimple here or there all the way down to, you know, 13-year-olds who are using it when they get their first, their very first breakout. So, yeah, it, it's it's interesting. You go out to market with an intended target audience and then you just find out that so many other people purchasing the product starts taking on a life of its own. So th- this was your mum and dad's business, which you were Four exposed seasons. to. Yeah, this is the right. condom business, and and it's expanded to different SKUs, including lubricant, etc. And and now I see there is in the box there. I saw there's uh, something there for uh, like aphrodisiac style something or other. Libido, like, libido, yeah. that's the word. Um, but but this is your baby. Yes. This is something you created. This is right? my baby. Did you just start off as a side hustle? It initially started off as a concept. Uh, I was over at a conference in New York, uh, which was all about patch technology and how patch application can work on the skin, the benefits of different, using different patches. And from there, I'd gone to another conference and seen um, seen people using patches to help treat different types of skin conditions like, you know, pimples and blemishes Eczema, and things blah, like blah. that. Exactly. So... I thought, we don't have anything like that here in Australia and looked a little bit more into it, saw that these products like pimple patches were starting to take off globally in other markets, all really started out of Korea actually, and then we just didn't have anything here like it. What is the deal with the Koreans that have the best skin? Oh, the skincare there is incredible. It's incredible there. But they're doing like big 15-step regimes and things every morning, so I don't know if... You know, the typical Aussie has has time for that. But or could be bothered. Yeah, or could be bothered. Yeah, seeps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And with all the sun damage we've got here. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This is about skin control, 100% Aussie owned. But did you experience acne? And is that something that you always thought about? It'd be good to have a cure for this shit. Yeah. Well, look, I grew up uh, with relatively good skin until the age of about 17. I started breaking out like crazy and I was using all sorts of products, uh, ones that are still currently on the market from other brands that were just flaring it up even worse. I can't, I'm not going to name names. I don't want to get into that sort of battle. But, yeah, we're flaring it up really quite badly and I was thinking, you know, eventually one day I'd love to be able to have something that just act- that works, that genuinely works, that's affordable, that everyone can use. Uh, and that, that sort of stayed in the back of my mind throughout throughout. Um, university and everything initially i was thinking should it be a men's a men's specific skincare range and i thought you know it could that could get quite niche so let's keep it broad and and go after you know every, everyone uh because it's really something that's just helping you at the end of the day you just cast my mind back um, and i never i didn't experience acne as such but i did i mean i got pimples and uh and i remember um, my friend and I, a good mate of mine, he's still one of my close friends, and um, I hope he listens to this one because he'll remember this. Somehow we got told that you put methylated spirits on the pimple. Oh now, first you squeeze it, yeah. then you put meth- dab of methylated spirits on there with a, you know, a, a bit of you know cotton wool, and then you put toothpaste on top of that. And so you'd have toothpaste spots all over your face. And then we were – and on top of that, somewhere – I don't know how we got it, but we were given these sulfur tablets and you took sulfur tablets. And what the fuck? I haven't are heard we? that one yet. Oh I've, heard the, I've heard the method and I've heard the toothpaste. I've never heard and the sulfur And we took sulfur tablets. tablets. And it was probably the worst thing you possibly, possibly do if you so It wasn't done by a doctor. Or, you know, how we got the sulfur tablets, I don't know. We were in our teens. And uh, we took this off. So they probably, you know, had some effect on our liver or our kidney or something like that. And we had no idea. Um, but we were, we were dead set determined to get rid of them. And and one time I got a pimple right there in the between my uh, eyebrows. And I didn't realise this, but there's what, the T-zone there. Mm. And um, I was one of these kids who if I got a pimple, I'm going to squeeze the fuck out of it. I'm going to get rid of it. Whether it's ready to pop or not, <laughs> I'm getting rid of it, right? So I squeezed the shit out of this thing and um, – I, as I recall, it, nothing happened. I didn't get get nothing came out. I went to bed, and in the morning when I woke up, my whole face was swollen up. 
You're kidding. I got an infection. <laughs> oh, God. My eyes, I couldn't hardly see out my eyes. I went to the kitchen and saw my mum and mum, you know, you got to stay home from school. <laughs> Had to go and see the doctor and the doctor eyes told me. swelled uh, up. Yeah, I got an infection. Like, you did a real number. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, totally. And, uh, and, and there was basically, I think the point is at that time basically it was full ignorance about how you treat these things, and it was all these old wives' tales about how to fix your pimples and you know put a put steam and you know put your head over a bowl and put the, the towel over your head and put your steam in your face and <laughs> or go for a swim in the surf and you know the surf will fix it up for you. There was uh, and and I and I just quit, quit my deal and quit my story. <laughs> I got married the first time when I was twenty. Okay, and um, I married a girlfriend from school and uh, had no idea what I was doing, and I don't know why, but I was twenties, but for some reason, on the day of my wedding, I woke up with a, a pimple right there in the middle of my forehead. Oh, no. Right in the middle of my forehead, right? And we didn't understand about shiny skin and those sorts of things. And as a result of that, my skin, and I was nervous because I was getting married, mm. my skin was getting oily and my face was very shiny. So my mates said to me, on the day of your wedding, what we're going to do is you're going to come over to my mate's house in Coogee and uh, and we're going to have a few beers before the wedding, of course. And uh, and my wife to be, she was with her girlfriends, whatever. You're not allowed to see her, all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they saw me, they said, "Fuck, you got a fucking pimple on your forehead? Oh, what the no. hell?" They said, "Let's squeeze it." So my mates got me down on the ground, and they're all having to go oh, squeeze this pimple. Gosh. And I was getting married, say four o'clock in the afternoon or something like that. This is like ten o'clock in the morning, okay? And I'm drinking beers. <laughs> and uh, they couldn't get out because it wasn't ready to come out. So all they did was make it swell up more, okay, and it got wo- more red and, and sort of aggravated. So they said, oh, look, it's a sunny day. Why don't you just lay in the sun like for half an hour and get the sun on there and we'll, we'll like, I don't know, whether we're going to burn it off or tan it off or something <laughs> like that. But all they did was make it red. Oh. And uh, on my wedding day, uh, you know, I was a good Greek boy, so I had a white suit on, the whole shit. Yeah. And uh, and I had this massive lump in the middle of my forehead, oily, you know, uh, oh, just no. hanging out. And it was like I looked like a cyclops. And it was, <laughs> I was so fucking conscious of this thing. And I'm standing at the front of the church oh, no. waiting for my, you know, wife to be. She's walking down the aisle and she's all beautifully dressed and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, and I'm standing my back to her when she, when she walked up in front of me. She looked at me and went, first thing, she looked straight in my middle eye, like oh, straight at the top of my fucking head. And I've got photographs. I'm not joking. I've got photographs. Oh. And every photograph, this pimple is the main event. Oh, and, and every photograph. And I'll never forget that. And uh, and this is all ignorance. So hey, well, you, you needed a pimple patch then. Totally. And, 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 I think, and I think probably what you're, what you've, you know, what you're selling into here when you first launch this is ignorance. Generally speaking, we're ignorant about how to, de- how to treat a pimple. And, yeah. um, and we, we try and make it very simple with this, you know, exactly what it's for. You know, so you- tell me how it works. So, like, I mean, I, yeah. I don't know the chemical yeah, sure. outcome. So, but- so basically, uh, as, as you mentioned before, there's a range of different pimple patches. Uh, the way that a pimple patch works is it's a little, a little what we call a hydrocolloid dressing, which is a medical grade wound dressing, and you apply it over cleansed skin. So say you wash your face so first, and you cleanse it with this. Yep, perhaps yeah, acne mist. Oh, yep, and so then you use this thing first. Yeah, you could use that uh, as a cleansing bar. Is it about getting rid of the oils in your skin? That's right. Yeah. Yep. So you want to try and regulate the oil and remove the excess sebum. Uh, so the way that the pimple patch works is you 
put the patch on over the top of the pimple and the hydrocolloid material is super high absorption. So it will draw out all the gunk and oil and whitehead out, out of the pore and you should peel it off after six hours and the pimple's, you know, almost gone in a lot of instances. Or at least calm down. It's calm down. Takes takes the aggression yeah, out of yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the, the overnight ones are made of a thicker material, so so they don't roll off uh, overnight on the pillow or anything like that, whereas the AM ones are much thinner and clearer, so they're almost invisible and women can put makeup over the top of them if they want to wear them to work. Uh, yeah, and then we have a range of other ones. So there's extra large patches for bigger breakouts you may get on your face, neck or back, and you can sort of cut them to size to get into all sorts of strange areas. Uh, and then more recently we've we've started making the micro dart patches. So what these are, are made, uh, these have dissolving micro needles in them. So they'll to penetrate the top layer of the skin and to infuse, gently infuse like salicylic acid, tea tree and sika into the pimple. And that will really help cleanse uh, cleanse the pimple. These ones, are, the, the micro dart ones are great for sort of early stage and blind pimples, probably like the, the one, one you had on your wedding day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what's, just to me, what is Sally... Sally cyclic acid. What, what yeah. is that? So salicylic acid is a great uh, a great ingredient that's used to exfoliate dead skin cells, and so it will help help draw out a pimple and help bring it to its surface. Uh, it's a good way to increase help increase cellular turnover, uh, and a yeah, really really good uh, gentle non aggressive way to to cleanse the pimple. So we try and use all very. Uh, Skin friendly ingredients for this because it's uh, a lot of a lot of in a lot of instances people are using these products on their face, uh, but yeah, with with the patches they're a great way to, you know, if you've got a pimple and you've got an event the next day or you've you got going to school or whatever it may be, you can put this on and it will help help cleanse it overnight. So the for us the top selling products are very much the the PM and the mix patches that have the day and the night uh, patches within it. In terms of you producing a pimple, it's not really got a lot to do with what you eat, although it's better to be healthy. It's got a little bit to do with um, your own hormonal output, um, you know, how you are going hormonally, um, particularly in the case of young uh, pubescent men with uh, testosterone. But it's got a lot to do with the way you shed skin and you know, we're shedding skin all the time. Mm. And if you've got a pore that's open and you don't cleanse that properly, mm. get rid of that shed skin, and do it often, then that skin, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is my understanding, that, that skin will get into the pore and the, and the pore becomes, and bacteria, it's all over our body, yeah. it, it, and it infects, becomes infected. Yes. And it starts right. to clog up the pore. Yeah. So what you're clogging the pore up with is your own dead skin. It sounds disgusting, mm. but that's. And the oil. Yeah. And the oil from yours that your skin produces, producer sort of binds it mm-hmm. and, and sort of makes it into a little paste and then you get. Wow, this is quite a quite delicious sounding. No, but, but, but that's what happens. No, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, what, exactly. what you're doing here is addressing all that. You're saying, okay, we'll use this to clean your skin off. We'll use this to get rid of the oil. Mm. This one here, mm-hmm. uh, that product is again. And then if we if you've got a pimple or something's happening, we'll use any one of these patch products that you, you produce here. Mm. And it's. And, you know, like a lot of people get a bit carried away because acne is a thing that's – it's not quite the same. Acne is a bit different and that has a lot to do with your hormones. And But a lot of people go to the doctor and the doctor sends a skin specialist and the skin specialist says take doxycycline because it's good for skin 
problems. Mm. But the problem you're taking Rocketing. something like doxycycline right. and it's, it's 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 creating drama with your gut. Yeah, because it, it affects everything. It is doxycycline is used for a whole lot of range of things. I and mean, people use doxycycline during the COVID period because it's good for upper re- respiratory diseases as well, like a whole series of things. It's good for uh, sexual diseases as well. Doxycycline is used for that as well. So doxy does a lot of things. Sure, you know the skin specialist might might be able to cure or help you with your acne management at the time but uh, if you go along to a gastroenterologist a gastroenterologist is going to say you shouldn't be taking doxycycline because it's bad for your gut mm. it's it's bad for the flora inside your gut so i think it's tough out there for kids trying to work it's, out it's what hard. to do it's, yeah. it's not it's not cool and uh but you can't ignore it mm. because a kid can get psychologically affected or yeah. feel like they're, they're like shit some kids don't care but other kids can can be very conscious of this shit, you know. Yeah, Again, especially at that age, you know. Totally. Growing up, you can be very self-conscious about the way that you look and going through puberty. Everything's changed. And one of the kids are thinking. Pimples popping up and it's, it's you know, you think, oh, the girls or the boys won't like me. So this sort of stuff from a parent point of view or from a kid point of view is actually quite an important product, I think. And, um, and, and I'd say that's one of the reasons why it sells. I mean, you know, and apart from the fact that it works, apart from the fact that it's, it's really cool packaging and all that sort of stuff, Filling like the condoms, to be honest with you, <laughs> filling a, a, a territory which we don't want to talk about too much, but at the same time, it's really fucking important mm. that we do it. Mm. Yeah, it's, and it's interesting, you've come up with this product, not dissimilar, but less, perhaps less um, edgy, <laughs> less it's, controversial. Less controversial, <laughs> probably. It way. shouldn't be controversial. No, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't yeah. be. You're right. But I mean, I'm just talking in a norm sense, norm, yeah. n- normative sense. Yeah, of course. Um, it's interesting that you grew up with your watching your family do this. You go to university, do major in entrepreneur, entrepreneurship. Then you come up with your own product, similarly boxed and sort of addressing this, a similar sort of market, to be honest with you. Nearly kids, you know, adolescent kids nearly need a box of both. Mm. It's a great idea. We should collaborate across the brands and do a bit of a – Two four deal. Two for two for thirty percent off or that. Two for one and a half. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. sort of interesting. There's similar sort of markets. Yeah, both boy and girl. We, we've I've always tried to think about mass market because we don't want to go too niche. As we we're saying briefly before, the products are all very much you know affordable. Price points are you know low, uh, low because we don't want to exclude anyone from the market and we want everyone to be able to buy into the brand so uh yeah we, we try and find a way to to make sure that we're marketing products that are going to help genuinely help people and and yeah they're they're really for for everyone so h- how long have you been doing this one now pimple so patch? this uh skin control and all the pimple patches started in 2019 it's very much sort of a concept and I was talking to the old man about it and I was like, look, I think this is a great idea. He's going, oh, we don't really, you know, we're not really doing so much skincare. I was like, no, I think, you know, there's a great opportunity here. Well, he's no a one's doing it. That's a dick patch. Yeah. He's a pimple patch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the same deal. Same, same. Yeah, yeah. Slightly totally, different. Totally, totally, totally. <laughs> um, and then he was like, look, okay, if, if you want to give it a crack, let's do it. So we've gone in on it together and I uh, basically took the concept out to – Woolies head office f- tracked down who the buyer was. Uh, did the same with the chemist warehouse and Coles and those guys. And then, because they're totally different buyers to Family Plan, it's a totally different section in store. And basically, just tried to explain to them what the concept was, what what I really wanted to do. And they said, "Yeah, great. How quickly can you get it to us?" So that's where it all took off. And I was going, "Oh my gosh, this thing's real now." 
And then, of course, they turn around six months, they say, well, what's next? What are you going to do next? And it has sort of snowballed from there. So we start off with three products within the skin control range. We're at about 20 now, and we've got another 12 launching this year. And and where to from here? Like, Yeah, so at the moment, we're, we're looking at a few options overseas. We've got an exciting... Uh, retailer who we're we're in the process of uh getting set up with overseas so we're really looking forward to that uh coming into market next year and yeah that that's really the the the, the main goal to get that all set up established and operating well uh the shorter term thing would be getting new zealand set up that's doing really well at the moment but yeah really just continuing to bring the innovation to market and looking to identify opportunities overseas and what we can then adapt for the Australian market because we, you know, the, it's Australian business made for Australian people. So we want to make sure that we protect protect the core of the business and the brand. So in terms of um, overseas markets, so do, 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 let's say, take the US for example, is there an advantage of Australian provenance, you know, the product coming from Australia, like tea tree oil, for example, mm. um, is there a presumption that Australian manufactured has a certain provenance that is attractive in the US? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've got such strict regulations here, obviously, with the Therapeutic Goods Administration. So the TGA controls everything. So, you know, a lot of the products which we make here in Australia are made within TGA-approved facilities. So So more strict than most other environments. More strict. I think a lot more strict than, say, the FDA, for example. And that's that's what we're really navigating at the moment because there's certain things uh, over there which you can or can't say, uh, different you know marketing words and terms that need to be adapted and tweaked. So that's sort of what we're in the process on at the moment, uh, working through all of that. But there's definitely a, a, yeah an understanding that Australia produces very high quality goods. And then do you trade on that? Do you, you know, will, will you? Yeah, your, of course. Yeah, no, but do you <laughs> yeah, will. Aussie, like, yeah. Yes, like my, my Australian accent is times 10 when I'm over there pitching the brand. <laughs> I mean, but, but in terms of, um, it, it doesn't say Aussie on here, if you know what I mean. Like, uh, yeah. it doesn't say uh, this is an Australian brand or anything. Like, this is because every, this is Australian brand in Australia. But, um, would you consider uh, campaigns on, on the various platforms to saying from Australia? Yeah, I, I I think so. I think it's an important thing, an important message to get across. I mean, some of the products are made in Australia, some are made overseas. Uh, I mean, especially the the Korean products, they've have better capabilities there to make micro needle patches, for example, versus Australia may not be able to do that. So there's certain like, technology, we, technology. There's certain techno- exactly. There's certain technological advances that they have there, which which we don't necessarily have here just yet. Uh, so it's important to work with the right contract manufacturers for for those types of products. Uh, but you know the the products which are made in Australia, I think there's definitely an important story to tell there, and we do that. We do tell that story when we speak to the retailers over overseas. Can I just hit on one last thing because it's always fascinated me. What is it about Korean skincare? I think they're they're willing to try new technologies and they're constantly looking to innovate. I mean, the the especially in South Korea, the economy is quite strong there. There's a lot of people with the you know medium to high disposable income, so they're willing to purchase products which are expensive, and they're willing to try new things uh, to address different skin concerns. I think there is a lot about. Uh, the cult, a lot to be said about the culture of presenting the best version of yourself there. So often uh, 
in Korea, it's not uncommon for people to have, you know, different plastic surgery and things like that mm. to alter the way that they may look. Uh, but, you know, I don't, I don't want to speak generally. but it, No, it, but it is a thing. I think it's a thing mm. because I'm going to spend a little bit of time back and forth to Korea and, uh, and just an observation. Mm. Um, they seem to have incredible skin. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Particularly, particularly <laughs> the women, not so much the guys, I guess, but particularly the women, maybe the males in, in the low, other gener- lower generation, but the women, mm. I mean, they don't expose themselves to the sun very much. Yeah, they, well, you, on, yeah. The sun, yeah, on the topic of the sun, I was over there recently at a trade show in Seoul and meeting with one of our manufacturers. That everyone was walking around outside with these huge patches over their whole face just because they didn't want to get any UV damage whatsoever. So now instead of just using an SPF or sunscreen, they're looking to physically create a barrier between themselves and the UV so it doesn't penetrate the skin. So they're more than happy or comfortable to be walking around with their face completely covered in patches or, which, you know, there's certain things like that. I couldn't see that taken off in Australia, even though we do have extremely high rates of melanoma and things like that. There's still certain cultural things which may not necessarily work. So, I mean, that that's that's part of it when you're looking at the opportunity, you think, okay, well, could this actually work for the Australian market? Like that, maybe not right now, maybe in a few years, who knows? Uh, but but yeah, the the innovation there is just it's incredible. For me, I admire them in a lot of ways, and I think if you can bring some of the technology to Australia and take it to America, if you can blend that their technology, their learnings um, together with some Australian products, whether it's um, you know tea tree oil, etc., and take that and bring that to Australia and take it to America and do it in a fun way. My gut feeling is, um, and you're looking at an area that really no one addresses properly. I don't think. In, in, a, in a holistic way, it's going to be successful. Uh, I, I, I really dig what you do and I think it's terrific and uh, uh, well done. Michael Porter, founder of Skin Control. Thank you very and, much, and, Mark. And uh, family member of oh, – sorry, mate. <laughs> and a family member of this don't just stand there, get naked, and, of course, four this is about four seasons, condoms, condoms and, <laughs> and other things. Good to see you. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Mentor with Mark Boris. Audio and production is by Jessica Smalley. Production assistance, Simon McDermott. This is a mentored podcast.